What is up, everybody? Welcome back to episode number two of the Hero Project podcast, YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, wherever it is that you're seeing this. Welcome. It is episode two, which means it's going to be twice as awesome as episode number one. I apologize ahead of time. You might hear a little noise. Uh, there is a little bit of construction going on. This room is not perfectly soundproof, but it should suffice. Um, that being said, we're gonna plow through. And today we are gonna be talking about something pretty important. We're gonna be talking about the second letter in the acronym HERO. But before I get into that, guys, I wanna to talk to you about what the purpose of this show is. I wanna to talk to you about why we're here. I wanna to talk to you about why I'm doing this. This is a show for entrepreneurs and leaders. It's a show for people who know they could be better. It's a show for people who know in their heart of hearts that they want more out of life. That's what this is about. It's a place for all of us, myself included, to come and try to be our best and try to get more out of ourselves to ultimately be the make the world a better place. Because when you make yourself better, you make the world around you better, enough people start doing that, the world actually improves. As Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. So that being said, guys, I'm asking you, if you get any value from this podcast, go leave a review. I'm I'm not just not just asking you. I'm telling you. That's that is that is the requirement for partaking in this. Leave a review, preferably 5 stars if you think it's a joke. I'm not asking you to lie, be honest. Uh, but share this. Even more importantly, share it. Post it on social media, share it with your friends, send a text message let people know if you think this is good content. I would appreciate it very much. So we're talking about the E today. And in order to set this up, in order to, uh, to really set us off on the right tone today, I'm going to read a poem. Hopefully, uh, you know this poem. It's, it's one of the greatest poems ever written, in my opinion. I've got it in my house. Um, I probably could almost do this memorized, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna risk the embarrassment. I'm gonna go ahead and read this. It's by Rudyard Kipling, and it's called "If." If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting. Or being lied about, don't deal in lies. Or being hated, don't give way to hating. And yet don't look too good, nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up again with worn out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they're gone, and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it, and which is more, you'll be a man, my son. 
That's If by Rudyard Kipling. That's, that poem is, is actually literally written to his son. I think, the, I think the book it was published in is called Poems to My Son or Writings to My Son, I believe. And tragically, his one and only son actually died in World War I. Um, but it's a very powerful poem. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's talking about being a man. I happen to be a man. You might not be. You might be a woman. That's okay. Not everyone can be perfect. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But this show is just as much for women as it is for men. Those traits, I just think that they capture uh, a particularly, um, I guess, slightly stoic and um, very British version of, of chivalry, of, um, of manhood, of knighthood, of honor, of grace, of virtue, and of being one's best self. And it's not too uh, popular nowadays to recognize anything British or English or anything descending from that particular monarchy, that particular people group as being good. But that particular people group gave us the enlightenment. They gave us the Western world. And today we stand in a lot of chaos. And we're going to go back today. As you know, uh, the, the H, the E, the R, and the O for this podcast, in the HERO podcast, it's an acronym, and we're talking about the E today, and we're going to jump into that and why this is so relevant. The E stands for emperor or empress. Okay? Now again... I believe that these four traits, these are four personality traits that basically exist very strongly in everyone. They come, different ones come out stronger in different people. But these four traits are extremely important if you're going to be an entrepreneur, okay, to, to magnify these. And they will be magnified if you stay in the game and you keep pushing and you never quit. By the way, got new hats. Let me know if you like these. Um, I think they're pretty dope, but if you never quit, these traits will grow. The king, the emperor, the empress, the queen, this energy is present. And today we're going to talk about what that means. Now I want to give a warning. The king, the emperor, the empress, the queen, this energy There's nothing special about it, right? It's just a man or a woman. But if you go back and you look at all the great stories, you look at the great movies, you look at the great novels, are they not always about a king and reaching this level, reaching this higher level? Right? This is the most applicable directly to leadership, but it's it's this there's all these stories of of young, unknown, you know, King Arthur, Luke Skywalker, whoever it might be, you know, unknown, obscure, and the journey they have to go on to become the person who is going to become the leader, to free their people, to make their world better. And it's the individual journey that they go on that's, that's important. It's what they go through as an individual, Okay. But the reason I'm talking about the individual aspect of this, right? Because people can magnify this idea of a king, that it's the leader and they, they're responsible for everything. And that's true for the, the king, the emperor should have that idea. They should have that outlook. But every man is a king. Every woman is a queen. Okay. There's a disturbing trend in society today, and we give way too much credit and power and responsibility to one man. 
to one person. It's never been so bad now as what we see with the man in the Oval Office. On one side, everyone looks at him as as basically a savior, and on the other side, everyone basically looks at him as a Satan. Both are wrong, okay? Societies are made up of individuals. As it used to be said, every Englishman's home is his castle. Every Englishman was a king. All of us are at work on our own empire. We are all emperors. We must be the master of our own domain. You must be sovereign over your own kingdom. And that goes for every individual. And if it looks like society is in chaos, guys, which I would say it is, it is not because this huge mythical guy, the emperor, the man in the Oval Office, the president... It's not because, you know, he made society chaotic, okay? It's not because of some special, you know, mythical power. It is because too many individuals allowed chaos to reign in their own life and they don't have order over their own domain. And and that has gotten to a high enough level that it is spilling out into society. That is is why we see the chaos, because we as individuals are not owning our stuff. And it's brutal on both sides, right? Now, this is not a political show. Let me be clear about this. This is a show for entrepreneurs and leaders. You could be an employee. You could be an athlete trying to reach your fullest potential. You might be an entrepreneur. This isn't about politics, but we're going to have to touch on some of those issues and and relate it back to what you can learn, okay? But it's at times where chaos grows where it's most important to look inside, okay? Unfortunately, what we tend to do is when chaos grows, everybody wants a savior. Everybody wants a savior. If we just get the right guy elected, everything will be okay. Guys, you need to vote for yourself. You need to take control and bring order to your own chaos. You do that, that order spreads. You cultivate the chaos that's around you And all of a sudden, things start to look a lot better. Guys, we get the leaders we deserve. We get the leaders we deserve. In a social media age, why would we we be surprised that we have a social media president? Right? So again, let's move on. Now, keeping with the foundational point of this podcast, right, guys, why, why do I, I bring back these old archetypes, these old energies, these old concepts of the warrior, the hunter, the king, the emperor? Why? Because I believe if you're an entrepreneur or you're, you're someone who is trying to reach your full potential, if you are not satisfied with the status quo, if you are not okay with being average, if you were born 2,000 years ago, you would have been the leader of your tribe. You would have been the emperor or the king or the, or the chief, right? You would have been the hunter or the warrior. You would have been embodying these energies in a different way. It is that thing that lives in you that, that, that drives you to want to grow and push and, and exceed your own expectations for yourself and see how great you can be That is coming from something primal, something that has has existed for for millennia. And so that's why we touch on these topics. And that's the foundation for this podcast, is what is going on inside of you that is driving you to be the person you're being? How do you harness it? How do you embrace it? How do you get better? And how do you develop your purpose around that? Guys, it takes leaders. It takes leaders. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not going to go down that road right now. But 
What's the key? And you can see this, right? But what is the key trait? What is the key thing? What is the key mission? What is the key objective of the emperor? And you can see it in every movie, every novel. What is it that he is doing or she is doing? He or she is in a world that is not as it should be. They can sense that it's not right. And they feel the personal calling to bring order to the chaos. And they seek it out. And they, are, they go through a series of learning personal lessons and growing as a man or a woman so that they can become the person who actually is capable of bringing order to chaos. But it has to happen inside first. So we're probably going to do a little contrasting of a great emperor versus a tyrant, kind of the immature version of this uh, versus the mature version. I wish I could say I'm perfect all the time. Well, I can say that. I am perfect. Kidding, guys. But don't tell me. Don't tell me when I'm not perfect. I don't want to know. Um. I think a foundational point I want to make, true like leadership, there's this, this element of humility. And um, there's a quote I came across when I was researching for this. And supposedly, I, I think this, I, I haven't read the book, but I, but I, I think this came from a, a, um, like a, an autobiography about General Sherman, maybe. Um, or not an autobiography, but a biography. And here's, I'll just give you the quote. And it has to do with humility, like where this comes from, like, like, like what type of person um, makes the best leader, okay? So, among men who rise to fame and leadership, two types are recognizable. Those who are born with a belief in themselves and those in whom it is a slow growth dependent on actual achievement. To the men of the last type, their own success is a constant surprise, and its fruits the more delicious. Yet to be tested cautiously with a haunting sense of doubt whether it is not all a dream. In that doubt lies true modesty, not the sham of insincere self-depreciation, but modesty of moderation in the Greek sense. It is poise, not pose. Right, So not a poser. You actually have this poise because you know at any moment you could fall. The opposite of hubris, humility. You're not posing as a great man. You are genuinely fearful that you are not a great man. And it amazes you every day as you walk in the grace of God, amazed that you're able to keep it all together. Now, there's a thin line there, isn't it? And this alludes to the line of order and chaos, the line between them. You are always on the precipice of failure and you are always on you are always teetering with self-doubt if you're going to reach your potential. Can I do this next thing? Am I good enough? Am I capable? And when you come through, it always amazes you. That's just the reality, right? We try to keep it together, don't we? Whatever it is, if it's an athletic achievement, if it's a business achievement, we act like we knew it was all going to happen. But man, if people knew the self-doubt we were dealing with on the inside. I'm going to move on. Since we're talking about heroes, the, the theme of this podcast, what it means to be a hero, what these acronyms are. Uh, General Patton had another good quote. And what we're going to be doing here is we're going to be talking about being a great leader. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on a couple traits specifically. I don't know that I'm the most qualified to talk about leadership, but I am obsessed with trying to, to step into this and become a great leader. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to this quote from General Patton. So he said, soldiers, all men, in fact, are natural hero worshipers. Officers with a flair for command realize this and emphasize it in their conduct, their dress and deportment 
the qualities they seek to produce in their men. So what he's saying is they lead by example. They recognize that all of us look for an example. All of us, every single man or woman looks for an example of who should I be like. We're looking for a type to emulate. And he's saying that great leaders, the officers that were great in his command, realized that, and so they would set an example of how to be. He goes on to say, when I was a second lieutenant, I had a captain who was very sloppy and usually late, yet he got after the men for just those faults. He was a failure. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. But I think if you live your life, whether it's true or not, but if you live your life as if you will be found out, if there, as if there is no getting away with, there is no running away from the truth. If you are lazy, you will be found out as lazy. If you are, if you are dishonest, you will be found out as dishonest. If you live your life that way, that's a pretty good way to do it. Aim high. So, I want to talk about three traits, three traits of a great emperor, which would apply, we're talking about, again, this this king, this emperor energy that lives in all of us, but is particularly to become a leader, to become a great leader, to have some, to be someone who can embody and and and, and lead a movement and create something and actually make real change in your life, in your family's life, in, the, in your community's life, in your business's life, everyone around you notices it. This is all the more important for you as an entrepreneur. The first trait I'm going to talk about, I'm going to call this grace. And it's a slightly difficult term to define and help you understand, so allow me to try. What I'm talking about when I say grace is for you to possess a personal grace, okay? A confidence, gracefulness, a charm, something that literally seems to come from a different world, okay? Now, that might sound a little too mythical or esoteric for you, but I'm going to talk to you about some examples. I'm going to talk to you about how we can all develop it, okay? So, George Washington was known to be absolutely worshipped, right? Not just modern times. It's It's not like a cult because, oh, he was, you know, almost like the God of America in a way. But he, in his time, was absolutely revered at a level that nobody else was. There was, there, he, had, he had some natural traits working for him. He was known to be huge. He was, like, he was like a mammoth of a man. He was just strong and good looking. That helps. He was known to be absolutely just a master, just incredible, like a, like a phenom on horseback. And, and apparently, as a youth, he rode horses nonstop. He was obsessed. He did dangerous things. He should have killed himself. But he was known, to, like, like he, he amazed people with his grace on horse when he was riding a horse. He was known to be an absolutely magnificent dancer, People were in awe of his ability to move and to command a room and to be in control of his body, okay? You might think, well, who cares? Guys, I'm telling you this stuff is important. The presence that you carry as a man or a woman will affect whether or not people will allow themselves to be led by you. He was able to develop through his life a supreme self-confidence, okay? And this is crucial. We all have our self-doubt, but the, the confidence I'm talking about comes because you know you will be able to figure it out, okay? He gave everyone around him a sense 
that everything's going to be okay because he was there. Everything is going to be all right. George is here. We will figure this out because he was in control. Everyone was at ease. Now, I am going to give you a couple of modern examples, right? Everybody knows that, well, maybe not everyone knows. Maybe if you're younger, you don't know this. Uh, Ronald Reagan was one of the most, well, he was probably the most unifying president that the United States has had in modern times. He was known as the great communicator. Even when he was in office, it's pretty well known that he had Alzheimer's for his last term at least. And it was said that he would be completely out of it, but you would switch the camera on, he would go on stage or he'd go out to address a room. He was, he was not with it mentally, but you would put him in the place where he was meant to deliver and he could deliver. The personality came out, he, he rose to the occasion. Right? He had this incredible self-confidence, this incredible poise, this incredible ability to just own the room. And that's a trait that all truly great leaders have. They are able to do that incredibly well. Another one, I've heard a story, you, you know, opposite of Ronald Reagan, I've heard about... Bill Clinton, okay? And I heard this story from someone who was a Republican, uh, not a Bill Clinton fan, but what he said was he was at an event where Bill Clinton spoke, and it was a small event. I think it was like 50, 75 people, something like that. Um, but being there... In the room with Bill Clinton, he said he had never felt such a tangible level of attraction towards a human being. Not, not like in a weird way, just that like, like he, he had such an amazing charisma and grace is the word I'm using here. He was able to just attract people. Right? This is someone who didn't necessarily like him politically, a guy who happens to be a career politician. It is who he was. He's a, a politician. The guy didn't even like him, but he felt so attracted to Bill Clinton. People who get world-class at anything figure out how to develop this. But it's cultivated and, and it is earned. It does not happen overnight. It is earned one painful step at a time, I believe. Right now, 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 don't get me wrong. There are people who are born with it. I'm not saying that there aren't people who are born charismatic. I'm not one of them. But the truth is that you can succeed. And if you can succeed at one thing, you can succeed at anything. And, and the reason that's important to note is that it's by persevering in very, very tough things that you develop this great, this grace, uh, and how you become great at anything. So I myself, I remember, you know, I guess, I, I guess what I would say is that sports taught me everything I needed to know about this. And I did not belong on a basketball court at the level that I played at, right? Where I, I was a lot better than I should have been. And I remember two different coaches that asked me, specifically, where does your confidence come from? And they were genuinely amazed at my ability to walk into a gym that was filled with dudes who were way more athletic than me, Division I athletes, professional athletes, 
and own the basketball court when I stepped on it. To have zero fear when I was facing guys that everybody else believed were better than me and to own it and to win. And they were legitimately amazed at how I didn't seem willing to back down to anyone. And they did, they were legitimately wanted to know like, where in the world does this confidence come from? And I remember many times like the, like, like I, when, when, when I was asked those questions, I didn't know how to answer. Like, I, I don't know. At the time, I was just extremely focused. I wasn't distracted. I wasn't distracted by chasing girls. I wasn't distracted by, by partying. I was focused. I was getting better every single day at basketball. All day, every day, right? When I wasn't studying, I was thinking about basketball. I was playing basketball. I was practicing. I was training. I was working out. And I just got better every single day, 365 days a year. I didn't take days off. I might have an easy day now and then, now and then but I didn't take days off. And over the course of time, I just developed a knowledge that I could score in any way. I could do anything because I had practiced it a thousand times. I just knew it was real because I had done it so many times. It was second nature. If you want to get great at sales, you have to sell a lot and you have to get in front of a mirror and you have to rehearse your pitch a thousand times. You've got to make it perfect. You've got to make it unbelievable. You've got to own that thing. You've got to own the objections. You have to know your clients' objections better than they do. You have to be able to give them objections. There is no way that you can develop this grace that I'm talking about, this ability to own the conversation, to own the, the space in your client's mind, the space in the person you're talking to's mind, to be that person that everyone looks at and says, wow, if you aren't 100% focused on achieving your absolute potential. And that's how you develop it. I didn't know that's what I was doing, but that's what I was doing. I was outworking everyone. I was getting better than everyone else. I didn't question whether or not I could do that crossover through the legs, two dribble, pull up, fade away jumper on Carmelo Anthony when we were playing pickup because I had done it hundreds, excuse, tens of thousands of times. Right? I didn't question whether or not I could hit the step back jumper against the Division I point guard that played at Pepperdine when I was just coming out of high school because I had done it thousands of times. There was no thinking about it. There was no questioning myself. I wasn't concerned if I was capable or not. I wasn't even in a place where I could doubt myself because I was already there. I was naive about it. And that's a great place to be. Kind of reminds me of Tiger Woods. I think that he was naive about his own path towards greatness prior to his downfall when, uh, when the whole thing happened with, with all the women and everything. Um, he came to grips with his own mortality, his own, uh, his own weakness um, after that event. But he was so focused on getting great at golf he knew he could make every shot. He truly believed he was going to make every shot. And he was naive enough to believe it. Now, again, naivete is not the point here. The point here is that if you are all in and you care and you're passionate and you're giving all of your energy and you are focused, you will develop this grace and this confidence and this self-assuredness that is attractive to other people. It brings out the best in other people. Other people don't want to disappoint you because they see you as being amazing. This is a real thing that you can develop.
And it's, it, it, is, it is essential. It is essential to becoming, to writing your own personal legend, to writing your own path, to, to, to writing your own book, the, the, the story of your life, to, to, to discovering your personal legend. This is crucial. You've got to earn your stripes. You've got to earn it through hard work. So let's move on to point number two. Point number two is vision. The emperor holds the vision for his kingdom. Let's go biblical here. From Proverbs. Without a vision, the people perish. And I'm here to tell you, without a vision, your business will perish. Without a vision, your future, your dreams will perish. Without a vision, your family will perish. What are you aimed at? What is your vision? That's what makes you an entrepreneur is your vision. What is that vision of the future, that that's future state that does not yet exist? You've projected your mind out into the future and you see the, the world the way it could be. And it's your job now to build what you see. That's who you are as an entrepreneur. And that comes from the emperor energy. That comes from this deep-seated thing that exists in all of us, this, this, this gnawing that we have in our soul, that the world could be better, that we could be better, that I am not living up to my potential, that my family isn't who they could be, that my community isn't who it could be, and I want to make it so. This is not, this is a fundamental part of the human condition, this feeling, this knowledge that, man, I need to be better. I could be better. I want to be better. There is more out there for me and more out there for us. And I want to make it happen. Okay. We deal with a lot of small business owners. This vision is, is probably the most overlooked area for small business owners. It is one of the most overlooked areas for society as a whole. We as America, and I would argue the entire West, has lost the vision for what we are aimed at. And I think this is at the heart of what Nietzsche said when he said God is dead. And he knew that the fact that the idea of God being dead, having been killed by the scientific enlightenment, that we were going to be in for a world of hurt. And if we don't rediscover a vision for what it means to be great, an ideal, a something to aim at, we are finished. And I say the same thing for your business as an entrepreneur, and I say the same thing for you as a man or a woman, and I say the same thing for you as the leader of a, of a sports team, as a teacher in your classroom. If you don't have a clear, crystal clear picture for what you are working towards for the vision of the future of your students, of your teammates, of your team in the office, of what it is that you are creating, of the type of men and women that you want, of the type of man or woman that you're going to be, if you don't have that, if you don't have an ideal that you are aimed at, you won't get there, will you? If you don't know what the goal is, if you don't know what that vision is, how do you know if you've got there? And are we not in that place as a society? We have stopped growing We've stopped growing economically. We have stopped growing creatively. Most of the creative growth in our society today, 
the creative the let's start the most of the most of the monetary financial you know market based growth is financial trickery the economy has been in a bad place for years and years dec- decades it's been we've been inflating bubbles to make up for the lack of actual real economic growth the arts are the same way the arts have been degenerating this is not going to be a golden age as we look back at, at art. This is not exactly the Renaissance. You look at the stuff that's considered cutting-edge, avant-garde art nowadays, and it's basically disgusting. I mean, there's like, like toilet art and, and art that, that, you know, is, is you know, you know, destroying religious symbols and just like no respect for anything and no order. It's, it, 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 is, it is literally the artwork nowadays is essentially, I would, I would describe it as the embodiment of chaos. And we've lost our way. But this is a show about entrepreneurs and that's why I believe entrepreneurs are the solution. If you have a personal vision for what could be, if you have an idea of what we could create, of what we could be, of what we could make, your own commitment to that personal legend is what makes the world a better place. And if there's enough people like you doing that, we have a chance. I don't believe we have a chance by getting the right person elected. I don't believe we have a chance by, you know, getting the left wing or the right wing into power. We only have a chance by people like you, real leaders, stepping their game up and becoming better men and women. So what is your vision? As an entrepreneur, are you clear on what your vision is? Have you defined it? Have you articulated it? Have you communicated it to your team? Is it vivid? Cameron Harold wrote a book called The Vivid Vision. Uh, It's a really good quality idea. It's a really good idea if you're an entrepreneur. I really suggest you read it. Uh, The Vivid Vision. It's going to help you get clear on what specifically your vision is. But look at the heart of it. We as, if I get back to the the, the emperor energy, all of us, every person have a deep-seated desire inside to leave a legacy. We don't want to be forgotten. We don't want to not do anything. We don't want to get to the end of our lives and say, we didn't do anything. I was a nothing. I was a nobody. Like the jerk, we want to be a somebody. I am someone. Uh, Any of you young bucks probably don't even know what I'm talking about. But we have a desire, we have a drive inside for greatness. If you're an entrepreneur, you probably have overcome that fear of not pursuing your greatness. That's probably why you became an entrepreneur. We all want to be extraordinary. We want to live an extraordinary life. We don't want to be average. Though we might be afraid to step out of our comfort zone, we don't want to be that way. So look, as a visionary, as an entrepreneur, as someone embodying this emperor energy, you hold yourself. Ultimately, what this is about is about about creating higher standards because you get whatever you accept in life. And so when you create a higher vision, by definition, you must raise your standards. You must raise your standards. And it's about holding yourself to that higher standard. And it's about calling your team and holding them to a higher standard to actually be extraordinary instead of just dreaming about being extraordinary. So decide what you're aimed at. Decide how you're going to measure it. Decide what it looks like. Visualize what it feels like. Spend time living in that. Spend time thinking about it. Paint a picture for yourself. Paint a picture for your family. Paint a picture for your team. 
If you're a community leader, paint a picture for your community. Like it or not, I think that this is what Barack Obama did so well in his first campaign. He painted a picture of what America could be like. His rhetoric was beautiful, right? This isn't about whether or not you like him or hate him, okay? Barack Obama's rhetoric, he painted a beautiful picture of what America could be, and it spoke to a class of people who didn't think their vision for America was being heard, and they thought, man, I want that. Now, unfortunately, Barack Obama, as an actual governor, he pretty much turned out to be basically a, a politician. I mean, just, he, he said, in my opinion. Um, but man, was he a great communicator as he was running for in his first term. Um, he did, you know, I mean, I mean, the world was basically anointing him the second coming, it seemed like. So it, it would be hard to argue with his ability to paint a picture of, of a better world. He did that incredibly well. That's the power of what's possible when you paint a vivid vision. So let's move on to point number three. And there's a hundred, there's a thousand points I could make here. Because ultimately what this is about is leadership. But I, I wanted to get at some of these more esoteric ideas, these, these deeper-seated um, ideas that, that aren't quite as clear. And I wanted to talk about these uh, a little bit more specifically. So... Um, the third point we're going to talk about is clarity and values. And I see this as being an, ep as an, as being an epidemic. People nowadays argue just to argue, right? I, I talk to clients every day. I talk to potential clients every day and, and people essentially are just trying things, throwing stuff at the wall, seeing if it sticks. I don't know how to work. I don't know what my priorities are. I don't know what my strategy is. I don't know what my vision is. I'm just going to try this and see if I can make some money. That's what entrepreneurs do nowadays, at least the small business owners, I should say. But I've got another Bible quote for you. I know you guys are probably getting sick of them, but in case you didn't know, there's a lot of wisdom in the Bible. This one's from Ephesians. Here it comes. That we henceforth be no longer children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and their cunning and craftiness. He's talking about becoming mature, you know, in this case as a Christian, but, but becoming mature, let's, let's apply it to, to everyone else as well, and not being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Unfortunately, there's not enough independence in the world, in our, in our country at least. But what tends to happen in this country, if you're on the right, it doesn't matter what your leader stands for, you will be tossed to and fro by whatever doctrine he is, he is you know, promoting at that time. If you're on the left, it doesn't matter what your leader says. Whatever he says, you will be tossed to and fro. He could say the most right-wing thing in the world, and you would be all on board with it. You're tossed to and fro by cunning men. Their doctrines seduce you. And the reason for that is because you don't have clarity on your own core values. I don't take a side politically. But the reason I'm addressing politics right now in general is because I can have conversations with people on the right and I can have conversations with people on the left. And what I can always identify is this person is not consistent in their first principles, in their core values. They care more about the right side winning or the left side winning than they do actually doing the right thing. Their only core value is my side is correct. Therefore, if my side wins, 
because I've decided that my side is correct, then it's better. So let's talk about something from both science and philosophy. It's the idea of first principles. What are they? Why are they important? So first principles are basically the idea that there is a there are core truths or core, um, you know, you can't reduce it any further, right? So you can't say it's my opinion. You can't say this is what I think. You can't say this is just what I believe. This is the way I want it to be. You have to be able to boil things down to, okay, this is true and this is not true. And you can build on an argument on that, right? Today in society, like 90% of the political jargon, there's no agreement because there is no agreement on the first principles. There's no agreement on the facts. Like people literally just argue from a different set of facts. It's like you have your facts and I have my facts and we're just not going to agree. How is that possible? The very, like, like, tell me that isn't chaos. Guys, again, we need you as an entrepreneur to bring order. Stop being political and bring order. You should always, 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 if you're going to have a conversation, if you're going to have an argument with someone, hey, let's agree on the facts first. Do we agree on these things? And do we agree on the outcome we're after? Now, we might disagree, and that's where the argument is on how we get there, Right? For example, right now, there is a conversation in this country around the Black Lives Matter movement. I think almost everyone agrees that the outcome, like, like we would like a, 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 a more equality in, in terms of we want everyone to have a relatively equal opportunity. Now, I, I think if we're actually truly saying true equality, that's, that, that's utopia. But like most of us really want actually things to be equal in terms of opportunity to achieve. But the truth is there's always differences. There's always differences in intelligence. There's differences in athletic ability. There's differences in um, relationships, the relationships that you develop. There's all kinds of differences. There's differences in priorities, right? Some people might want to walk a different path in life. They might get a different outcome because of that. So we're not going to have true equity in terms of equality of outcome, but we should have equality of opportunity. And I don't think there's hardly anyone that would disagree with that. And if we could start a conversation and say, hey, do we want the same thing here? And do we agree on these facts? Then we could have a civil argument. But nobody's arguing from first principles. Nobody's arguing from a foundational set of beliefs, of, of facts, and, and saying, like, this is the priorities here, and this is what we're aimed at. Now let's have a conversation. It's just, I want to be right. I want my side to be right. Don't really care what you have to say. I'm not going to make an argument for either side or, or the other. It's just that I'm just making an argument. Can we have a civil conversation? So look, as a leader, as an entrepreneur, in your business, you have to have extreme clarity on your first principles. And as a business owner, as a leader, as an entrepreneur, your first principles are your core values. Nine out of 10 small businesses don't have core values. How do you lead an organization? How do you establish what's important if you don't have core values? How do you decide what you care about as an organization? I don't know how you would do that. What is important to you? What, like, and why is it important to you? Like, 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 you've got to decide on those things. You have to say, this is my vision. This is what I value. Here's how I'm going to get there. This is why I care. And I want people in my company who believe the same things. I want people in my company who care about these things. These are our core values. If you disagree, get out. It's so important, guys. It's everything. And we as a country need to figure out what our core values are. 
You talk to any entrepreneur, hey, is there some tense moments with the leadership? Yeah, man, you hate each other sometimes. You get frustrated, get annoyed, want to walk out of the meeting, get pissed off, maybe cuss each other out. Stuff like that happens in life. But you're focused on a common vision and everyone is in agreement with what that vision is. It's been laid out by the entrepreneur, by the CEO, by the leader. This is where we're headed. And the values by which you're going to evaluate decisions and say, this is what we care about. This is how we want to get to our vision. This is what's important to us. This is the type of world we want to create. This is the type of community that we want to have. Every, and you make sure everyone's on board with that. And it filters out the people who aren't. And you only have true believers in your organization from that time on. If you will do that, you can have those tense moments. And in having those tense moments, you'll make it through. I had one yesterday with my, with my right-hand man. But it's like the aim is the same. The vision, the thing that we're aimed at is the same, and that makes it okay. And we, we believe in the core values, and that makes it okay. This is important. It's everything. You're not going to grow anything significant if you don't do this. How do we make decisions now? What's going to get the most likes? What's going to get the most uh, engagement on social media? What's going to what's going to, you know, what's going to offend if it's in a corporate environment? Who's going what's going to offend the least number of people? What's going to, you know, what's safest? What's most politically correct? You don't stand for anything, you'll fall. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. It's absurd. I, I went to a Christian college, okay? And I remember, this is 15 years ago or something like that. Maybe, maybe not quite 15, but... This is an ethics class at a Christian college by a guy who was supposedly a pastor at a church teaching the class. He was a businessman too, but... Listening to an ethics, a business ethics class, and the guy's talking about, you know, frameworks for making ethical decisions in business. And it came back again and again and again. And he was such a promoter of this theory that, that you know, the ethical thing to do again and again would be what makes, what's, what's, what gives the best outcome to the largest number of people? Now, that sounds great on its face, but that's no different than what's going to offend the least number of people? What's going to get us the most likes on Instagram? If you make your decisions that way, you will have a shitty organization. Sorry. Didn't really want this to be a, a, a cussing podcast, but whatever. There's just way too much of this thinking in society because we haven't been raised with core values and core principles. I get pretty passionate about this one, I must admit. You know, I look at this, I, I mean, I look at this with COVID. Like, we have no idea what our value system, system is. It's this false narrative about, oh, you either care about the economy or you care about lives. And if you don't care about one, you, you, it's, you know, it's one or the other. Nobody is having a nuanced conversation about what's really going on and figuring that out. We don't have core principles, right? We sit here and think that we can, like, like literally, the decisions being made right now are based with two things. What's gonna, what's gonna get me the most votes? And they're trying to make judgments on, are more of my constituents a little bit more right-wing or are they a little bit more left-wing? And like, how many of the independent votes is this going to, to you know, offend? 
versus make them happy because it's really about the independence because the right and the left wing have, have made up their mind. And they're trying to weigh those options. Who's going to, you know, what's going to get me reelected and what's going to be better for my political party? And I have to do, I have to say, I, I, I'm not going to like, I can't just like shut everything down because that's actually probably going to cause more destruction than it will actually help. But I have to kind of pretend that I'm doing something. And so like, we're going to do mask mandates and like, and we're going to ask people to, we're going to ask people to, to, you know, we're going to force people to wear masks and we're going to do all this stuff. And we're sitting here like, not actually doing anything. Nothing that we are doing is actually having an impact. When the real epidemic in the country is the fact that we are the most unhealthy country in the world. And there's nothing we can do to stop a virus that attacks people. If you have a poor metabolism, if you're obese and you have diabetes and you're really old, you're probably, you have a 25% chance of dying from this virus. And doesn't matter if we wear masks, doesn't matter if we shut down, which we really can't do. I mean, you can't shut a nation down, but it doesn't matter. Like, but nobody wants to have that conversation. Nobody wants to be logical about it. Like, what are our principles? They're just, everyone's just pretending that they're doing something. All the politicians are pretending that they're doing something. And it's all about the rhetoric to see how many votes they can get. There aren't any core values being followed anywhere. I don't know if that sounds political or not. I'm not trying to be political. I'm trying to. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to show you how stupid politics is. But whatever. So, guys, as leaders in your company, as leaders on your sports team, as entrepreneurs, as leaders in your family, decide what your family is going to be about. Get clear on your vision and get clear on your values. This is who we want to be. This is what we value. This is what we reward. This is what we care about. This is what we want to exemplify. This is the ideal that we are aimed at. Get clear on it. It's so important. And I think with that, guys, I'm going to wrap it up. Getting a little bit too fired up. And uh, in wrapping it up, there's a couple options here. Maybe you think I'm a complete lunatic if you stayed this long. You're either doing it for entertainment purposes because I'm a weirdo, or you're actually inspired by what I was saying. You like what I was saying. You like this idea of the emperor's energy, the king energy, the archetype that is inside of you where you're trying to bring, where you're being a leader to those around you and most importantly, a leader to yourself and you're becoming the greatest individual you can become so that you can leave a legacy, so that you can make your community, your family, your company, your country a better place. If you like that idea, I would ask you to share this podcast, especially with an entrepreneur especially with a small business owner, especially with a purpose-driven small business owners. Guys, this world needs business owners. It needs entrepreneurs. It needs you to hold yourself to a higher standard. It needs you to care about how you show up every day. It needs you to show up and it needs you to, to, to aim higher, to build, it, to build in habits that create that grace in your life to create a clear vision of where you're headed so that you inspire your team, to get clear on your core values and hold yourself to those standards and your employees to those standards. When you do those things, you will make progress in your business and the world will make progress. If enough of us do this, it will have an impact. So look, I'm gonna wrap it up like this. If you're an entrepreneur, especially a service-based business, you can you can find out more about us by going to givemecustomers.com. Um, you can set up an appointment with us. We can do some strategy talk. But otherwise, share the podcast. Tell friends about it. Leave a review. Um, leave a comment. If you happen to come across this on social media, what do you think the R is? What do you think the R is going to stand for? Hopefully, you guys are enjoying this. 
We're going to talk about the R next time in the hero. Hopefully I didn't get too ranty. Hopefully you found some value. Have a great one. Signing off. Talk to you guys soon.